I believe you all sensed something as Will was leading the worship. Okay. Um, God dwells in the praises of his people. And when Will was wrapping up there and speaking to us, you could still feel the Holy Spirit, couldn't you? And when Brittany was just wrapping up and she was singing, okay, with her sweet little voice, okay, you sensed the Holy Spirit. I watched Michael lead the musicians here, and some of them have played together for years. And nobody has to speak, but as they play, and as you yield to the work of the Holy Spirit, you sense the presence of the Spirit in the worship of Him. It all works together, but it depends on how much we will yield, how much we will let go, and how we just want to see the Lord and sense His presence. We want His will. We want to be able to understand Him and to know what this God is like. And God continues to reveal himself to you your entire life through the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, through experiences in your life. And he wants to reveal himself to you. Please always remember that. God is constantly wanting to draw you closer to him by revealing himself to you. We serve a wonderful God like that. Not hidden. It's not hard to find because he seeks us. And if we'll just turn and seek him, you'll find him every single time. Amen. Well, it's been another interesting week in America and the world through this terrible tragedy in Las Vegas and all of those poor people. Their lives have changed. Families have changed. And we look at the chaos and the death and the murder, realizing that two kingdoms continue to bump against each other, fight against each other in this world, the kingdom of light, who is led by our Lord and King, Jesus Christ, who is the commander of the host, who has promised us to be our shield and our great reward through the promise of Abraham and the hordes of hell from Satan, who their leader is the father of lies, the author of confusion, There's no truth in him whatsoever. He's a liar. He's a murderer. He goes around as a roaring lion, but he is not one looking for whom he may devour. But we choose and have a risen king who's a lion of Judah. Ah, yeah. You you let a lion out of the cage and he'll defend himself, won't he? Yes, he will. And so I was reading a newsletter this past week from Hope Force International, which ministers in disasters, and they have sent people to Texas after the hurricane, uh, down into Mexico after the earthquakes down there, to Florida after the hurricane, uh, to um, Puerto Rico. And some of it, what they do, not only in helping with the cleanup and that, but they also, their presence as a vessel of the Holy Spirit to bring the truth of God's word to people, to comfort them, do a lot of listening. But they mention the name of Jesus to help out. And this is the verse that they used in their newsletter, and it really struck home to me. And so I just want to address this as a moment as the body of Christ here together. 
with the change that keeps coming all around us. And as David is speaking here in the Psalms, he's in a difficult warfare battle with other kings, seeking God's help. And this is what he says, Psalm 60, starting with verse 2. Thou hast made the land quake. Thou hast split it open. Heal its breaches, for it totters. Thou hast made the people experience hardship. Thou hast given us wine to drink that makes us stagger. Feels like that at times, doesn't it? It feels like the world is tottering. It feels what we take in just makes us stagger. David and his people are experiencing this. Then he says, Thou hast given a banner to those who fear thee. Thou hast made, um, uh, thou hast made it to be displayed because of the truth. Psalms goes on and talks about his banner over us as love. And that's, remember, when you see that love like that, it's the love of God. It's just not love. It's the love that comes from God. That's the source. And it displays the truth. That thy beloved may be delivered, save with thy right hand, and deliver us. And that's our prayer today. And I thought we'd just join together to pray for our nation to acknowledge our God and his strength and his truth because it affects us all as our lives seem to totter with different things. But God, but God raises up the banner of his love and says, follow me into the breach. We are more than conquerors when we follow a risen king. So in your hearts, please agree with me as we seek our Lord. Father, we come to you acknowledging, Father, that we are a sinful people. Father, we waver and totter back and forth in our faith at times, Lord. We say that you are Lord, and yet we fear and we worry, Father. We trust in other things at times, Father. But we rush back to you, Father. We want to be a people like David. We want to have hearts for you, Lord. Because you are our only shelter. You are our only shield. You are the only one that can reward. We ask you to forgive this nation of its sins, Father, for not acknowledging you and trusting in men. Because the answer cannot come from men, Lord. The splits of the world. That's a spiritual fight, Lord. So this morning we choose to be on your side. We, no matter what's happening around us, Lord, we look to you because we know you give peace, not as the world gives, but your peace that is so much greater than this world. You have brought creation out of chaos and the chaos that's in this world now. Father, we ask you to raise us up, see you, whether it's a cloud by day or a pillar of fire by night for the Holy Spirit in our world, or you speak and write your words on our heart, Lord. Forgive us and our nation and use us as a people, Father, to bring healing to the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. For we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For we believe it's the power unto salvation for all, for all that believe, to the Jew first and then the Gentile. So make us messengers, but speak to our heart first so we know the message is clear and we know who you are, Father, where we'll put our trust.
we do ask you to help all of the victims and the families and the things that happen in Las Vegas, Lord. But we still continue to pray for the people in Texas, Florida, and Puerto Rico, and Mexico, Lord. But there's stuff all over. But we thank you that your son speaks to you and prays all the time to you for his people. And we take comfort in that. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Amen. We're going to keep on keeping on with the Lord, aren't we? So we look to our Savior. Well, the title of today's message is um, Blessed Are the Flexible. Okay? Now, believe it or not, (laughs) Mr. Ripley, I can touch my toes. (laughs) But I'm going to bring them up and touch them. I'm not going (laughs) to... But I can do it. It's not like when I was a child, a a small child. (laughs) I could put my foot in my mouth. (laughs) And today, I can still do it figuratively, put my foot in my mouth. (laughs) uh, Far too often, Lord. Uh, uh, But flexible. Now, this is the premise. This is central theme of the entire message. Based out of Hebrews is where we're going. And it's that if to be flexible, you have to have something that is steadfast and immovable in your life. Does that sound like a paradox? It could sound like it, but it's the truth in Scripture. So let's, let's put Hebrews up and read that. Can, do we have that? It doesn't matter. I'm going to press on whether we do. Okay. Well, let's stand and read this, Okay. So we're in Hebrews, the sixth chapter. I think we've got about 10 verses here. Okay, are we ready? Let's see if we can read this and I can see it. Let's do this. That each one of you I show as an answer to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience and inherit the promises. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And so, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise, for men swear by one greater than themselves. And with them, an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show the heirs of the promise, the utter angelness of his purpose, interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we have taken refuge but has strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. But this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, which Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever and unto the order of Melchizedek. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask this morning that your word accomplish everything that you set it out to do. 
and that you show us our hearts and our intentions through your word. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. 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 So that was the sixth chapter of Hebrew, and we're going to start out in the first chapter of Hebrew and see what leads up to this. Because Jeremy taught us this morning that we're supposed to look at context and the verses before and after. And he's absolutely correct. Now, when the author of Hebrews was writing to these people, he's talking to people who are going through difficult times. They're suffering, and he's trying to encourage them in the faith. Most of you know that Hebrews is a book about faith, especially Hebrews chapter 11, right? But the whole book is about that. But he's just not saying have faith. He's trying to help them with the reason to have faith. We got What's the motivation behind it, okay? What is really there? It's kind of like the method actors. What was the movie Dustin Hoffman was in where he played the woman? What? Yeah. And one of the things... (laughs) You see how many movies I go to here. Uh, Tootsie, right. (laughs) I know, he had a small role in that. (laughs) It was a very good. This is audience participation. Golly, get on scripture, Bruce. Uh, (laughs) It does good like a medicine, though, doesn't it, to laugh? All I remember out of the movie was this. He was a beefcake tomato. That was his role in some play. And he's going up to the director saying, What's my motivation behind being this tomato? (laughs) And I went, there you go. Uh, (laughs) He didn't know how to do it. How do you, you know, how do you motor yourself to be a tomato? (laughs) Well, I would take him into John and say, you better get connected to the vine, big boy. (laughs) Or you're going to, yeah, it's an easy setup, isn't it? Okay. Let me get back on point here. (laughs) You're supposed to be entertaining, but I don't know. That's what they tell you. (laughs) But some of you will tell these jokes over again. I know you will. So we have a group of people that are suffering. They're being challenged. They're being persecuted as believers. And change has come their way. They need help with the change to be flexible with what's come. If you're not flexible, we know that we break. So how... Do I be flexible? How do I handle? I think one of the things in your life that has a major impact on if you have a good life or a bad life in your own eyes is your ability to adjust to change. Does change make you bitter? Does change make you pull back in a hermit? Or is change you going to say, this is my next step in the Lord's plan for my life, and I'm on with it because he's never going to leave me or forsake me. Let's see what's next. Yes, this is difficult. Or this is a blessing, but you got me, Lord. It really determines what kind of life you're going to have. Extremely determines that. And so when Paul's trying to encourage, or I think it's Paul, but the author of Hebrews is trying to encourage these people, what have they been dependent on before this? Most of them were Jews. Now we've got some Gentiles mixed in too now. But they'd been depending on the temple, the priest, the law. Look at the life they were leading right now. They were under the Roman heel, their boot crushing them. 
They were under King Herod and his family that followed after him that were corrupt and ruthless leaders. Then they had the high priest to follow after, and the high priest's job was sold back and forth. They had corrupt leaders, and these leaders then were offering sacrifice according to the law for their forgiveness and going through all the ritual that was the law of Moses. And the law was good, but the law produced sin, and sin produced death. Therefore, you needed to have sacrifice. And then on the Day of Atonement, they'd offer up that goat for the sins of the whole nation, and yet they'd have to bring out another goat and lay hands on it to put the sins on the nations on that goat and send it out into the wilderness. What? What about our sins? But we've been counting on all these things, and and that wasn't real steady, but this is what we saw day after day. after. It was their life. It's what they depended on. They had some kind of parameters to go by, but it was difficult. Very difficult. And now, you're supposed to follow Jesus. Jesus, who is the fulfillment of the law. The law just all points to to him and our need for a Savior. Now you want us to trust him. Now to look after him. Here's another change. And we're looking and trying to follow him. Now we're being persecuted. Is he enough? Is Christ enough to help me? Is my new leader, my new high priest, and Hebrews talks a lot about this, is he enough to help me? The other things helped a little bit. Boy, we had to keep going back, keep going back, keep making sacrifice over and over. More blood, more offerings, more sacrifice. But we're used to that. But now you're asking us to trust Jesus as our high priest. We've seen high priest change over and over again. We've seen the corruption in these people. Now you're expecting us to follow. Is he going to come through? It's wonderful he's raised from the dead, but I can't see him. Hebrews 11.1. Okay. And he's trying to help them. He really cares about the people. So he starts to share the truth about this Jesus, this high priest and what he's done. And in the first chapter, he says, God, after he had spoken long ago to the fathers and the prophets and in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he had appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. And when he had made purification of sin, cross, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, and having become a much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than, than they. I guess he did inherit a more excellent name. I'm the son of God. I was with him when we created all this. I'm upholding everything that's happening in this world by the words that I speak. And I'm exactly like him. I'm the heir of all things. And I've offered a sin offering for you. And I've sat down at the right hand of God. And that's where he is right now. And he intercedes for us all the time. Jesus Christ prays for you every single day. I will openly confess, I do not pray for you every day. I do pray for the church. I pray for you as your name comes to mind. But I'm a real amateur about prayer 
compared to Christ. I'm trying. But man, his prayer that he speaks to the Father about you, according to his word, at his right hand, he's got the Father's attention. And he knows you well. He should. He created you. Your Father. And he goes on to say, this is what he's, he's created the world. He sustains the world. He's purified sin. Over in the second chapter, continues to explain about him and what he's done. In the 11th verse, for both he sanctifies those who are sanctified, are all one father, have one father, for which reason we are not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will proclaim the name uh, to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will sing thy praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And behold, I and the children who God has given me. Since then, the children share in flesh and blood. He himself, likewise, also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. That's you who've accepted Christ by faith. You are the seed of Abraham. You've accepted Christ by faith the way Abraham accepted the promises and the covenant of God by faith. And he gives help to the descendant. He gives help to you. And we need to be recognizing and seeing that God is helping all the time. But the truth of Scripture is, I will give you help. In chapter 4, verses 13 through 16, there is no creature hidden from his sight. We could stop right there, couldn't we? This is like a mom with her kids. Why do kids believe that moms have eyes in the back of their head? They just seem to see everything. Plus, we're not very good at hiding. Were Adam and Eve good at hiding? There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to his eyes of whom that uh, we have to do. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Let us, therefore, draw near with confidence, draw near with faith, draw near with assurance to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And we have lots of times of need, don't we? What are we going to find when we draw near the throne of grace? For one thing, we're going to find the king praying for us. Have you ever walked in on anybody praying for you? It's humbling. As a young pastor, I was visiting the hospitals, and there was one lady in a Bible study I was leading, and she was having her knee worked on, and she was just a gracious woman. And so I went in to pray for her, and she said, thank you for coming. And as I was walking out the door, she said, Pastor Bruce, I pray for you. And it just stopped me. And uh, my first thought was, I don't deserve. I, I need not the pastor. I need to be praying for her. And she's had this life in the Lord. Her life wasn't easy. Her husband wasn't saved. And it was rough, but she never wavered in her faith. And she said, I pray for you. 
And I just, I saw my need again, and I knew my need in my heart. And I was so thankful somebody was praying for me and my needs, not just, you know, how do you pay the bills, but how does, how's Bruce going to get through life as a pastor? He needs help, Lord. And it was an (laughs) obvious thing too, Uh, but it meant so much. And if we will draw near with confidence, we don't draw near as beggars. We draw near with confidence because he wants to help. But don't be surprised if you draw near to the throne of grace and God start, and you're speaking to him. He will speak to you. And sometimes he say, you're going to need to repent, Bruce. We're going to deal with this over here, but there's some bigger issues going on in your life, in your heart. And I go, you mean nothing is hidden from you? No creature is hidden from you? And he said, let's deal with this and let's move on then. To this issue over here. That's the move of the Spirit to try to help us and to guide us, to comfort us, to teach us. And we need that help. Whether it's your finances have changed, you got trouble in your family, you're sitting in the waiting room. A lot of you have sat in waiting rooms waiting for the doctor's report. Some of you have gotten reports unexpectedly. You know, Kenny Gadboy's sister was killed in a car wreck this past week. And he got the call. Ooh, Lord, I need help. I really need some help here, Lord. I've sat in the, a lot of <laughs> waiting rooms. And from an early age, my brother got sick at 11. And I was 13. You know, I was just healthy as a hog. And just do all this. And my brother... Uh, Strong little guy, but he, he got a fatal disease that you've heard me talk about before. Went to doctors from a lot, went through waiting rooms a lot, and then one waiting room, we got the report. Sat there when my son was having his third thyroid cancer surgery in about four or five days. And I had a few minutes by myself in the waiting room, and I was having trouble reading my Bible, and I just started praying in tongues and praying the Spirit, let the Spirit minister to me and build me up, as it says in the book of Jude. And I, I, I just had my Bible down beside me, and then Scripture, the Holy Spirit started telling me Scriptures. I didn't recall them. The Holy Spirit brought back according to John. And he brought him back to me and helped me and comforted me. I had been a good father and pressed in on the physical things. After the second surgery, I told the doctor, I'd like somebody else in there with you. Um, and so, and he said, that's fine with me. So we found another doctor and the two surgeons worked on him. Like I said, it was a complicated surgery and it finally worked. And I was so thankful, but I was sitting in that room saying, Lord, I need help. I need help. But I know you love that boy more than I do. And more than the cancer surgery, he needs his heart worked on, Lord. Lord, will you work on my son's heart? And I knew he would because the word says it. There's no creature hidden from him. He wants to draw all men unto himself. For God so loved the world, each and every person that he gave his son for them. So I counted on that, counted heavily on that. And I worked through it, as did my wife and other family members. And so it is for you. Change comes. And I can speak to you about traveling 
which the changes in that are really trite compared to these other things that come our way. But I've had the Lord help me in the groups we're on over and over and over again. And you may miss a day because you have to stay another night in the wonderful city of Newark, New Jersey. (laughs) Or spend the night in the airport in Lima, Peru, like a group of us did working down there trying to help Annette and Ron Thiessen with the building. And And we just enjoyed it. We laughed. We just rolled with it. Because we know this is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. It's his day, so wherever he wants me, that's where I want to be. So I'm going to rejoice and just, just enjoy it. I'm not losing anything because the only thing I need is to have the Lord with me. I'm not losing anything else. We went to Israel a few years ago and had all these snowstorms, and we started four days late and added it, and, and everybody, and, oh, God, the Bashirs really blessed me. They were going to have to leave early, and after the first day, he walked up to me and said, I could go home now and be satisfied, and I wanted to cry because they spent all this money, and they were going to have to leave early, and he's fulfilled. He had the experience with the Lord. And so when we move into this final set of verses in Hebrews chapter 6, and I'm not going to read it all to you again. God is not unjust to forget your work and the love which you have shown towards his name and having ministered and are still ministering to the saints. And he goes on to talk about having been a full assurance of hope until the end and how God has promises to you that he's going to keep, that he is unchangeable, Please look at those again in Hebrews. His promises are unchangeable. He does not lie. He gives us hope. So we can have strong encouragement. We have fled the refuge lane, hold of the hope set before us, the hope which is an anchor for the soul, a hope both sure, steadfast, which remains inside the veil. And he's making a reference to the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest could go and offered sacrifice for sin. But our hope is anchored in the Holy of Holies in heaven, where the real tabernacle is, where he is the high priest, and he's offered the sacrifice once and will never offer it again. He doesn't have to, because the sacrifice was perfect and forgave us, because we know that the blood of bulls and goats will not wash away sin, but his blood was pure, sinless. And so he sits there on his throne, with that hope anchored there. And remember, please, Hebrews is about faith. What tethers us to the anchor of hope is faith, confidence, assurance of this great high priest who rose from the dead, who is incorruptible, who thinks more about us than he thinks about himself. This is the one that we serve. This is the one that has us in the palm of his hand. This is the one who created us and predestined us for good works that he's already put in place for us. But this high priest was the one who's also sat in the garden before he was crucified and said, your will, not mine. Or if this cup could pass from me, nevertheless, your will, not mine, Father. And if we can die to self and to say, your will, not mine, my will... I've proven my will, what it leads me into. And you have too. But his will, 
is precious and it's eternal. I close with this. Change comes. Are you going to be flexible enough if you've built your life upon the rock of Jesus Christ, who is steadfast and immovable and is eternal, who has already defeated Satan and death, destroyed his powers to a point, he's letting him roam. Will you put your trust in him when change comes to be more like him? Now, this is the final spot here. This is my first closing. I've got two granddaughters sitting over here in the first row. Okay. And I'd like you to meet them if you could sometime. I think you'll agree that they're our granddaughters. <laughs> they do look like us. And it's one of my great joys to remind them when they get older, you're going to look like this. <laughs> my desire is it'll be like Joe and I as we are in Christ. Okay. Now, both these precious girls, one's 22 and one's 21. (laughs) And they came into our life through difficult circumstances. And it was stressful. Okay? Tonesia over here, we didn't even know she was our granddaughter until she was like in junior high or something. I can't remember. 10, junior high, close enough. But they came through real difficult family circumstances that breaks your heart. And I want to tell you, both these girls have changed my life. And the love that they have for the Lord, but also the love that they have for Jill and I, wanting to know us, wanting to be involved with us. And the Lord told us, You know, they're a gift to you guys, a gift for you to love them. But I'm also going to love you through them. And I need people to love me through Christ. Jill and I had a choice to reject them and say, this is too hard. Or to say, thank you, God, because you are the creator of life. And you've created these girls to be in our lives and others' lives, to show your love, to show you are steadfast so that you can make all things work for good so we can all look like Christ. And these girls are helping me to be more like Christ. What about your life? The things that have come to you that are hard and you have to make a choice about, am I going to be flexible or am I just going to pull back? Am I going to get up on this rock called Jesus Christ, be connected to the vine? Am I going to let him flow through me, speak to me through the Holy Spirit and his word? So out of me can come rivers of living life to the people that he's brought into my life and then have the opportunity to love and to receive love. It's good, but you got to make a choice. God's way, the rock, or your, your way. And you might as well go back to sea then and be tossed to and fro and be double-minded. And you'll be unstable in all your ways. But with God, he'll never leave you or forsake you.